Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well always and growing deeper in love with God and our Blessed Mother and all the saints and our glorious Catholic faith. Um, uh, We have a beautiful bishop, as you know, whom we are under here in Tyler, Texas, Bishop uh, Strickland, Joseph Strickland, and he will be on tonight on the Station of the Cross Ask a Bishop, instead of, there's a new program at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Ask a Priest, tonight it will be Ask a Bishop. And you can call in to ask Bishop Strickland anything at all you wish. Um, He's just so available and so good, and you don't have to fear contacting a bishop who's afraid to speak, who's who's, uh, afraid to speak the truth. His only heart is for the salvation of souls, and... um, There's no fear whatsoever. There's only strength to proclaim the gospel that our Lord has ordained him to do. And so we're we're very thrilled at that. And we're going to continue today what I promised on Friday. Um, Bishop Strickland has been writing, uh, as most of you know now, one letter a week to follow up his August 22nd letter that had seven points on the um, discussions plan for the synod on synodality having to do with marriage and same-sex so-called unions and uh, I can't even say family so many things Uh, I can't even think of them all now Um, contraception um, uh, so abortion Um, and so each week Bishop Strickland has been writing a letter he'll he'll produce seven I'm sure to cover each of those seven points and he's doing one a week, and that one's more magnificent than the other. And Friday we began his third letter, written on September 19th, having to do with the uh, third point. And he says, back on September 19th, I'll just read his opening statement. I write to you today, dear sons and daughters in Christ, I write to you today <clears throat> to discuss more fully the third basic truth that I spoke of in my first pastoral letter issued on August 22nd, 2023. That is, the sacrament of matrimony instituted by God. Through natural law, God has established marriage as between one man and one woman, faithful to each other for life and open to children, straight from the Catechism, 1601. Humanity, Bishop says, has no right or true ability to define redefine marriage. Humanity includes the Pope himself. No human being can redefine what God has done or play with it in any way. So I'm going to um, continue about halfway down the letter where Bishop Strickland says, I would like to focus now on the importance of marriage as a sacrament, a sign of God's grace at work in the world. A marriage is sacramental When it is valid, I'm repeating this paragraph that we ended with last time. It's so important. A marriage is sacramental. That is to be blessed by God and have the Holy Spirit uh, in that marriage. 
a marriage is sacramental when it is validly celebrated between a baptized man and a baptized woman. Matrimony is the one sacrament that the participants confer on one another. This sacramental reality encompasses all the elements of a natural marriage and adds to it the beauty of a vocation lived out before God with his grace given to the husband and wife to live out that vocation. And I mentioned Bishop um, Fulton Sheen's book, Three to Get Married, The Husband, the Wife, the Man, the Woman, and the Holy Spirit. Bishop continues, just as natural marriage is foundational for human civilization, sacramental marriage is essential for the life of the church. The grace that flows into the lives of a man and a woman in a sacramental marriage also flows out from their union as a blessing for their family and their community. Sacramental marriage reaps the blessing from graces which allow the man and woman along with any children they are blessed to nurture, to form a domestic church and to live out their unique call to holiness in their family as directed by God. For the church to accomplish her mission of bringing Christ to the world, holy sacramental marriages are essential. As we approach the upcoming synod on synodality, we must continue to hold fast to sacred sacred scripture the sacred traditions of the church, and the unchangeable deposit of faith which illumine and guide our faith regarding matrimony. We must be aware of and reject any call for a change in the unchangeable reality of marriage. And we must also reject any call for recognition or blessings on relationships which attempt to simulate or redefine the sacrament of matrimony. Any relation, any relationship that is not a true marriage but attempts to portray itself as a true marriage is a deception that would inevitably lead souls away from Christ and into the hands of the deceiver. As your spiritual father, I must caution you in the strongest terms. Do not accept this deception. In conclusion of our discussion regarding matrimony, we must recognize just how far modern society has slipped from the uh, covenantal, life-giving concept of holy marriage as given by God. As homosexual relationships are more and more recognized throughout the world as, quote, marriages, as marriages in many cases are believed to be disposable through the widespread presence of divorce, as contraception is now widely used, even by Catholics, and as abortion is not permitted but celebrated throughout our country and our world, the very fabric of marriage is being ripped apart at the seams. From Pope Pius XI, quote, Yet not only do we, looking with paternal eye on the universal world from this apostolic sea as from a watchtower, but you also, venerable brethren, see and see seeing deeply grieve with us that a great number of men, forgetful of the divine work of redemption, either entirely ignore or shamelessly deny the great sanctity of Christian wedlock, or relying on the false principles of a new and utterly perverse morality to often trample it underfoot. 
And since these most pernicious errors and depraved morals have begun to spread even amongst the faithful and are gradually gaining ground in our office as Christ's victor, this is Pope Pius XI, Christ's victor upon earth and supreme shepherd and teacher, we, that's Pope Pius uh, XI speaking, we consider it our duty to raise our voice, to keep the flock committed to our care from poisoned pastures, and as far as in us lies, to preserve it from harm. And that's straight from the Pope's encyclical, Casti Canubi. Now, Bishop Strickland switches to holy orders and quotes the Catechism, 1536, quote, No one has a right to receive, actually 1578, no one has a right to receive the sacrament of holy orders. Indeed, no one claims this office for himself. He is called to it by God. Holy orders, Catechism 1536, holy orders is the sacrament through which the mission entrusted by Christ to his apostles continues to be exercised in the church until the end of time. Thus it is the sacrament of apostolic ministry. It includes three degrees, degrees, episcopate, presbyterian, and diaconate. Ordination is a sacramental act in which a man is integrated into the order of bishops, presbyters, which is priests, or deacons, and it confers the gift of the Holy Spirit that permits the exercise of a sacred power which comes from Christ himself. In ordination, the bishop lays hands on the one being ordained and offers a prayer of the common priesthood of Christ. However, in the sacrament of holy orders, a priest's participation in Christ's ministry differs from the common priesthood of the faithful as it confers the power to serve in the name and in the person of Christ, that is, in persona Christi. Pope Pius XI, in his encyclical, Ad Catholics, Catholici Sacerdoti, I'm probably mispronouncing that, I apologize, gives many beautiful explanations of the holiness of a priest, priest, priestly vocation. An essential thread echoes the self-sacrificial character we noted earlier when discussing marriage. But in the case of the priest, it is even more so a complete reliance upon and full abandonment of one's life to God. As Pius XI beautifully states, quote, A priest is one who should be totally dedicated to the things of the Lord. It is not right, then, that he be entirely detached from the things of the world and have his conversation in heaven. Oh, no, I, I misread that. Is it not right, then, that he be entirely detached from the things of the world and have his conversation in heaven? A priest's charge is to be solicitous for the eternal salvation of souls, continuing in their regard the work of the Redeemer. There's the music, blessed ones, for his uh, our first break. We'll be right back to continue this after our first break. And after the second, we'll take your calls and your emails with anything on your heart. Call in toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com and I'll be right back. We'll be right back.
please join Father Mark Noonan in praying the Litany of Humility. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being approved, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being humiliated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being despised, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of suffering rebukes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being calumniated, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being forgotten, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me, Jesus. That others may be loved more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I unnoticed, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may become holier than I, provided that I may become as holy as I should. Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live and I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm so happy when this works out and all our equipment is working, thanks to our dear angel Brian. Um, we are reading the conclusion of a letter, uh, Bishop Strickland's um, third letter, or fourth letter, really, the third point of his first letter um, on marriage, and now we're speaking about holy orders. Um, and he continues from Pope Pius XI, a priest's charge is to be solicitous for the eternal salvation of souls, continuing in their regard the work of the Redeemer. Is it not then fitting that he keeps himself free from the cares of a family, which would absorb a great part of his energies? This statement also highlights the reason for priestly celibacy. The priest is called to forego on the natural level a human family, that is, marriage and children, in order to espouse on a supernatural level the church in his role as an other alter Christus, another Christ. Following the example of our Lord, the priest is to make of his life a complete sacrifice for the sanctification of souls, up to and including the shedding of his blood, thereby participating in the bringing forth of new life but on the supernatural level. 
The priest never serves on his own behalf. Without priests, the church would be without the Eucharist. Pope St. John II stated, there can be no Eucharist without the priesthood, just as there can be no priesthood without the Eucharist. The road of the priest is the cross, and he must embrace it fully and lovingly. It is not enough to simply believe in our Lord, because martyrdom is more than simply the action of one who believes. It is the action of one who loves. From the first priests, the apostles themselves, to countless examples of extraordinary acts of heroism, from seeming ordinary men such as Blessed Father Stan Rother, Blessed Father Jersey uh, Popietusco, I <laughs> messed that name up. I thought his film is just wonderful. And servant of God, Father Emil Capon. Our Lord has been abundant in generous, generously giving his bride the church throughout the centuries with priests who answered, giving his bride the church throughout the centuries with priests who answered the ultimate call to love, not through their own power, but through the work of the Holy Spirit within their souls. Yet, for the vast maturity, majority of priests, the martyrdom they are presented with may not be as dramatic as the shedding of blood. It may be that they are offered the crown of white martyrdom, of daily picking up their crosses and shepherding their flocks with love throughout the everyday trials and tribulations that plague fallen humanity. Humility and abandonment, of course, are paramount. The priest must make his, his life a gift to our Lord, to direct as he wills. And the greater the level of abandonment, the greater the gift. That is the nature of love. <laughs> it is, Bishop Strickland says, it is through the sacrament of holy orders that God calls and then equips deacons, priests, and bishops to serve his people, to minister to them, to teach them, and to sanctify them so that his people may have a sure path to holiness and to receive the salvation that Christ has won for each person. In order to carry out these roles, however, we must remember that it is God who calls his chosen instruments to the sacrament of holy orders and the church who confirms the call. As we approach the synod on synodality, <clears throat> We must remember that God would never call a person to a role which they were not able to fulfill. As I stated, Bishop Strickland says in my pastoral letter from September 5th of this year, sacred tradition and the ordinary magisterium of the church have affirmed throughout the ages that the church has no authority whatsoever to ordain women, as Christ called those who would minister in his name to image himself as the bridegroom with the church as his bride. Because the church has no authority to ordain women, we recognize that God would never authentically call a woman to the sacrament of holy orders. As such, if any were to suggest a change, if any were to suggest a change could be made to this sacred and unchangeable doctrine, we must recognize this as a break from the deposit of faith and reject the idea as contrary to the faith. In conclusion, I would like to say to you, says Bishop Strickland, my dear sons and daughters in Christ, do not despair. It is evident when we look back through salvation history that any time humanity moves away from God, 
he pours out an abundance of divine grace upon the faith This is our half. Oh, well, actually, um, we don't have our half hour yet. Uh, we, we had a little disconnect on the audio, but I will go now to our, will give us a little more than a half hour today and go to our calls and our emails. And then when we have the half hour break, we'll continue the whole next hour. So as of now, you're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from 
James. And James says, Mother, there seems to be two sides or factions forming as we approach the upcoming synod. On one side, there are those who seem to want to just go along with whatever happens. And on the other side are those who are fighting to uphold the traditions of the church. James, you're so right. And I pray there's much more on the side that's fighting to uphold the traditions of the church. He says this is causing a rift in the church, without doubt. With those who agree with, the, with Pope Francis, questionable statements being quick to criticize the other side and vice versa. James says, in your opinion, is there a right and wrong side to this argument and why? The answer is yes, James. There is a right and wrong side to this argument. I'll tell you why, but I'm going to continue reading uh, the email first. He says, shouldn't any faithful Catholic have a desire to stand up for what the church teaches? Yes, they should be ready to fight for it, in fact. Uh, Also, why do you think some are so quick to simply go along with whatever the Pope teaches? Do you think that that could be attributed to a lack of teaching regarding what ex cathedra, ex cathedra means from the chair of Peter, and the fact that the faithful are not required to follow every word that he says? I do, James. I think it's just widespread ignorance on the, on the, on the faith and on the uh, uh, office of the Pope and a papal, what papal infallibility means. He says, when people such as Father Gerald Murray, I love that Father Gerald Murray. He's one of the top canon lawyers of the church. Um, he was a seminary student of the priest, Monsignor uh, John T. O'Connor, who led me into the church, and I think he helped pray me into the church. He's a wonderful holy priest. And James says, when people such as Father Gerald Murray, one of the most well-respected canon lawyers in the church, have gone on record... <coughs> to defend others like Bishop Strickland because they've done nothing wrong. How can there be others who still adamantly disagree? Better yet, why are those who try to defend the faith labeled as radical traditionalists by those who should be fighting alongside them? You kind of summed up the situation of today, um, James. You know, I think a radical traditionalist is simply uh, a Catholic a Catholic is a radical traditionalist. God, Apostle Paul in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen says to stick, stay to the traditions, capital T, the traditions of God, not the traditions of man, which I have handed down to you either orally or um, by written word or oral. Those are the traditions. Two thousand years to be radical is to stay with them, is to not depart from them, is to follow them all the way. A radical person is someone who stays with the truth and won't divulge, won't bend, won't compromise. Uh, Radical means complete. So a radical traditionist, traditionalist is the description of a faithful Catholic. That's all it is. And so there's the music for our half-hour break, dear ones. When we come back, um, I'll expand on this and um, talk about the rifts in the church and Uh, what I understand the reasons are for them. They're tragic, Um, but it's the devil's doing, and every prophecy of Our Lady of Fatima, Akita, um, good success, um, uh, La Salette, they're all coming true in this day. This is everything happening in the church is what they have prophesied, what Our Lady has prophesied. So it shouldn't be a surprise, but it's tragic. We need to be aware of it in order to Um, not fall into the devil's traps. We'll be right back.
participate in the National Men's March to abolish abortion and rally for personhood. We have two important events coming up, one on Saturday, October 7th in Washington, D.C., and the other on Saturday, November 4th in Boston, Massachusetts. There is a man connected to every abortion. Men are a big part of the problem. It's time for men to become a big part of the solution and for all people of goodwill to stand up and start building a true civilization of authentic love, starting with the full federal protection of our pre-born brothers and sisters without exception. Men and sons, gather with us for the march. Women and families, meet us for the rally. Find all the details at themensmarch.com and make your plans to join us. We need you. God bless you. The Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network is dedicated to answering the critical need of access to quality, consistent, professional, and proven Catholic programming. We cannot rely on other media outlets to properly represent our church. Catholic Radio reaches Catholics, non-Catholic Christians, and non-believers alike. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent of your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Hear what listeners are saying about the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. Through the iCatholic Radio app, I have listened to the sermons and teachings several times. The effect has been a deeper understanding of my faith and Catholic tradition. This app has truly been a blessing in my life and has increased my faith. Listen live or at your convenience to your favorite shows. Just search for iCatholic Radio in your app store today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Okay. Hello, beloved. <laughs> we are back. We're having equipment problems again. What else is new? Um, our Lord is not happy. Uh, our Lord is very happy, but the enemy is not happy about what we're speaking about. So no surprise. Um, we are, uh, this is our half hour, and our lines are open, and you're welcome to call in again with anything whatsoever on your heart. Toll free one 877 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We are, um, we've just read through James' email, and um, basically, uh, I'll read the, reread the first paragraph that sums it up. He says, there seems to be two sides or factions forming as we approach the upcoming synod. On one side are those who seem to want to just go along with whatever happens, and on the other side are those who are fighting to uphold the traditions of the church. This is causing a rift in the church, with those who agree with Pope Francis's questionable statements being quick to criticize the other side and vice versa. Um, uh, there are rifts in the church, and the rift is simply caused by those who do not know their faith. That's it. Um, if you know your faith, you don't have to be a scholar. Um, you don't have to have gone to seminary or, st- or memorized the scriptures. 
But if you know your faith, you know when heresy is being spoken. You know when the Pope or a priest or a layperson or anyone speaks something that is against the faith. Or at least you might wonder and check it out. What do you have to do to check it out? Go to the uh, encyclicals of the church. Go to the Catechism Explained. Go to the Catechism Explained. Uh, um, uh, the Catechism Explained. The Catechism of Trent. Go to our current catechism. All you need to do is check it against what the church has taught, which cannot change. It is the faith once delivered to the saints. God has given it to us, passed down through 2,000 years, and we can't play with it. So when the Pope has other ideas, uh, we respect his office. And again, when he speaks ex cathedra or ex cathedra, it's pronounced both ways, ex out of cathedra, the chair. That is when he's speaking out of the chair of Peter on a matter of faith and morals that is binding on the faithful, that we must believe he is protected by the Holy Spirit from teaching error so that what's binding on us, we are safe. He can never bind on us something that is not absolutely true. And so that is a very special gift that is applied, not when the Holy Father speaks generally, not when he teaches, not when he writes a letter, not even an encyclical, only when he's teaching officially from the chair of Peter and binds the faithful to believe a certain thing. So this Pope has said and taught a number of things, but he has not, and many of them are wrong, but he has not, how do I know, who am I? Who am I? I'm, I'm simply a Catholic who, who reads and studies the faith and goes to the documents. And no one, including the Pope, no one has the power to change anything. It's God-given. We have no power to do that. And so, um, but if the Pope, uh, in anything that he said that is not correct, uh, that is, does not reflect the deposit of faith, if he binds it on us, if he says that uh, the, the issue, so, so to speak, of same-sex unions, that they might be blessed, is an infallible issue and must believe, by all Catholics, now we have a problem because it's not true and because he cannot proclaim anything that goes against the faith that's been proclaimed previously, the faith given to the, the, the faith. He said, well, maybe he's right and the previous faith was wrong. No, no, no. This is the faith once delivered to the saints, the book of Jude. And it can develop, but it cannot change. And no development can contradict the meaning of the scriptures and the meaning of tradition. So um, the rift is between those who have remained faithful Catholics and love their faith and study their faith and live their faith and those who don't. Those who are, what James says, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and want what they want, not what God wants. They want to fulfill their passions. They want to fulfill whatever they want. And the church, in its moral laws, goes against them. And so they are making up things that, like children, that have no validity whatsoever. So the rift is between believers and unbelievers, including bishops and priests. I can't tell anyone's heart, but that's what it is, James, between believers and unbelievers. I'm a believer. I don't want to go based on what I think. I want to know what the church teaches. I spent five and a half, four and a half years 
uh, on a journey from evangelical Protestant to Protestantism trying to save Catholics after 18 years to spend four and a half years looking into the church to see if the church is what it claims to be. The church, Christ established on earth, and uh, which he promised to lead into all truth to the end of time and in which the gates of hell will not prevail. That's the church I'm in. That's the church I want. That's the church that is uh, filled with traditional Catholics, uh, believers, uh, who have held fast as the Apostle Paul instructs the Thessalonians, held fast to tradition, not the tradition of men, but the tradition of God. James, I don't know if there's any other thing I can add to this, um, but for those who are on the side of the rift, uh, meaning that they agree with Pope Francis when he speaks in error, um, then you are departing from the faith. You are departing from the faith. You need to go to confession, you need to study, and you need to return to the faith. No homosexual will enter the kingdom of God. Those are Paul's words. No homosexual, murderers, slanderers, uh, none of them will, the gossips, will not enter the kingdom of God. That's straight scripture. Read Romans chapter 1. Read the book of 1 Corinthians. So how could same-sex so-called marriages, and there's no such thing as a same-sex marriage. Marriage is uh, created by God, one man and one woman, and no human being, regardless of his office, has the power to um, to change that. People have said, Mother Miriam, how could you dare speak against the Pope? Who do you think you are? I'm not speaking against the Pope. That's, that's God's business. Um, I'm speaking against his teaching, and we must do that. If he teaches wrong, just as Peter, just as uh, rather Paul corrected Peter, our first pope, uh, corrected him in front of all those Jews, um, uh, we must, we must correct uh, what the Pope says if it's if it's wrong. And uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder has said that. Uh, Father Gerald Murray has said that. Every good bishop has said that. We do so for the sake of his own soul and salvation. We can't ignore it. And if we agree, um, we there's no love in us and no faith in us. Okay. We're going to go to our... We don't have a caller, but we'll go... Yeah, we do. Jennifer from California. Hi, Jennifer. Oh, my gosh. Hi, Mother Miriam. God bless you. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Thanks. Oh, I have just, this is my first time calling in. I have a mixture of, of nervousness and excitement. Um, I've been listening. Well, I'm excited to speak so to you, long. Jennifer. I'm so glad you called. Oh, thank you. Um, so I actually have a, kind of a twofold question. So the first part of my question is I am new to traditional Latin mass. Um, my my family, my husband and my two children, we've been going uh, ever since the pandemic started because, um, you know, in California, there was one church that was administering ashes by a Ziploc bag. And I'm like, no, I, I saw that online. What a tragedy. It, yeah, I know it was a tragedy. So we found, you know, a good Latin mass parish. We've been going there for the past two years. And today is actually my um 13th wedding year anniversary and happy anniversary to you <laughs> happy anniversary <laughs> Jennifer and your husband how beautiful oh thank you so much and that's part of my question I am wondering if there is such a thing as a wedding vow renewal or a special blessing with traditional Latin mass that I can um yeah 
possibly participate in or ask the priest. I, you know, again, we've only been going to traditional Latin mass for, you know, the past two years. So I'm wondering, um, you know, if there is such a thing as like a wedding vow renewal, is that even necessary? Um, No, it's not necessary. It's a beautiful thing, though. And I know it takes place in Obus Ordo. I don't know if it's in the TLM. I don't know. I would imagine that it would be and that the priest could give you a beautiful um, renewal of your vows on your 13th anniversary. I would imagine so. You go straight to that priest and ask him. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I will do yeah. that. And yes, we were we were married in the Novus Ordo Church, so that's, you know, I've heard of it um, with that, but it's like um, with, you know, we just want to continue down this path that we've discovered. And I think it's beautiful. wonderful. <laughs> and, and your marriage in the Novus Ordo Parish is 100% valid. Everything is great. But I think um, you should go to your priest. And I, I imagine it would be a wonderful blessing for the renewal of your vows. You know, in religious life, we take vows. We renew our vows in religious life every single year. So I I would imagine it would be a wonderful thing in marriage life as well. Amen. Oh, well, thank Amen. you. I appreciate that. And just kind of the second part, um, well, it's not really a question, but rather just a thank you because a while ago, uh, I, I want to say it was like earlier in the year, you had a beautiful talk about homeschool and how if we really want mm. to protect our children to please consider homeschool. And at the yeah. time, I'll be honest, it was really hard to hear because I am working two jobs. My husband is building a business oh, and I no. do not know how are we going, how are we going to do this? Our hearts are in the right place. We really want to do this. And by the grace of God, um, you know, why I was able to secure a work from home job and we're able to kind of balance together. And we have, um, we're homeschooling now. Uh, and a big part of that was thanks to your, um, you know, your talk, <laughs> your talk on it's music to life. my heart, Jennifer, how many children do you have and what are their ages? Oh, just two. Yeah. Two, a five-year-old. Two. And That's wonderful. So we are just Beautiful. very much at the beginning and, starting on this whole new journey but i just thank you so much and it was you know it was really hard to hear it's like you know we're over here in california and it's very hard it's very expensive we're working 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 i do not know how we're going to do this but it was on my heart and we prayed about it and just you see sorry when we follow god's design he blesses us we will never lack anything when we follow him thank you (laughs) We appreciate you so much. And thank Thank you for everything that you're doing. And if we could, oh man, we would be on the next plane to Tyler, Texas. (laughs) We really Uh (laughs) (laughs) would. All right, sweetheart. Okay, God bless you, Jennifer. Thanks. And love to your family. All right. And bravo to your husband. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. You too. Bye bye. Let me just mention, everyone, uh, based on uh, Jennifer's last statement that I mentioned that we have um, a few hundred acres that surround our property that the the owners who sold us the uh, acreage we have, they're portioning it off. I think the smallest uh, partial is 15 acres. The largest one is right uh, borders ours, and it's 92 acres. I don't know if they'll shorten it or not, but um, 
if anyone's interested in that, it's pure country, so it needs a well and it needs electricity. Um, but it's uh, the owners are willing to finance it for 20% down. So in case anyone is interested in that, and I'll also tell you, we went to Mary Mother of Israel's Hope. We have two uh, trailers that we lived in for only a year. They're still practically brand new. They're um, uh, over 2,000 square feet each, five bedrooms, three baths with all the appliances and uh, custom blinds on all the windows, air conditioning, they're perfect condition. And we, we need to sell both of them. So if you get some land, and you need a trailer um, until you build a house or something, let me know. And if you're interested in the land, let me know, and I'll put you through to the realtor. Okay, God bless you, everyone. We'll be right back after the break. We'll have 10 minutes left. We'll speak with you soon. Bye-bye. Hold on. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the cross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 25th. Today we celebrate Blessed's Louis Martin and Zélie Gurin. Born into a military family in Bordeaux, Louis trained to become a watchmaker. His desire to join a religious community went unfulfilled because he didn't know Latin. Moving to Normandy, he met the highly skilled lacemaker, Zélie, who also had been disappointed in her attempts to enter religious life. They married in 1858 and over the years were blessed with nine children, though two sons and two daughters died in infancy. Louis managed the lace-making business that Zelie continued at home while raising their children. She died from breast cancer in 1877. Louis then moved the family to Lisieux to be near his brother and sister-in-law, who helped with the education of his five surviving girls. His health began to fail after his 15-year-old daughter entered the monastery of Mount Carmel at Lisieux in 1888. Louis died in 1894, a few months after being committed to a sanitarium. The home that Louis and Zelie created nurtured the sanctity of all their children, but especially their youngest, who is known to us as St. Therese of the Child Jesus. Louis and Zelie were beatified in 2008. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am she, and I am live, and we're connected uh, by um, a couple of different ways. Our, our equipment here is, uh, equipment's fine. It's, I think the problem is back and forth with the uh, Internet company, but we have Brian here, our angel. He just keeps showing up every moment we need him. And I ask him how he, know, how he knows to come in. 
to the office. And just, I think the Holy Spirit lets him know he's just an angel. So we have an email, and we have 10 minutes. You can still call in. Uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three. The email is mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have an email from Robert who writes, Mother Miriam. I was hoping to get your thoughts on these comments made by a Swiss bishop whose name is Bishop Felix Gemur of Basel. And this is his comment. Quote, it is time to abolish mandatory celibacy. Celibacy means that I am available to God, but I believe that this sign is no longer understood by society today. Many think, what is wrong with this person? Does he have a problem? When a sign is no longer understood, it must be questioned. I have no problem at all imagining married priests. Well, to that, I will say to the dear bishop, number one, uh, it's not up to you to decide it's time to abolish mandatory celibacy. Um, celibacy means that I'm available to God. That's absolutely correct. But it's not a sign. It's a reality. It is not a sign. If you can meet someone that's not wearing clerics or not wearing a nun's habit or sister's habit, and they may have taken a vow of celibacy. Um, for one reason or another, or whatever it may be. Um, it's not a sign. Nobody knows it. Um, it's not a sign. It's a reality. It's to say that we um, sacrifice our need for certain kinds of human intimacy to have a greater devotion to and intimacy with God. It's not a sign. It's a reality of a life fully given to God. And you say, um, if someone says, what's wrong with this person, does he have a problem? Well, you could look at every nun and priest and think that to yourself, but it's not true. Uh, no one has a problem. They have a calling, and that is to give up um, the procreation of uh, human life for the procreation of spiritual life. And this bishop says, when a sign is no longer understood, well, it's not understood. It's not a sign. It's a reality. It must be questioned. Um, and he says, I have no problem at all imagining married priests. Well, wives of married priests have a great problem with it. If you don't, I've spoken with them, especially those who have come in from the Anglican tradition. Um, and they're married, and they have several children, and their husbands are priests. They tell me to be a wife of a, of a priest is to be a single mother. This gentleman continues by saying, he then followed up on the topic of women's ordination. This is this bishop speaking. Quote, the subordination of women in the Catholic Church is incomprehensible to me. Well, I have no idea what you think subordination is. Or also, well, let me just continue. Changes are needed there. I am in favor of the ordination of women. It will also be a topic at the Synod that will soon take place in Rome. Um, well, again... I will say simply, dear Bishop, you have left the Catholic faith. Now, people get alarmed by that. Mother Miriam, who do you think you are? I'm a Catholic. That's who I think I am. I'm a child of God, and I trust the church. And if bishops and priests have lost the faith, and they think women can be ordained when the church has said for two, more than 2,000 years, they cannot be uh, any more than a mother could be a father. 
women cannot be ordained any more than men can have children. Of course, today people believe men can have children because women think they become men and they get pregnant. It's, it's an insanity and it's a, it's a total evil. If a bishop says these things, he has ceased to be Catholic. Whether he ever had the faith or not, I have no idea. But he is no longer Catholic. He is fighting the Catholic Church and keeping his own position, which is a fairy tale, because he's not believing or acting as a bishop. Um, women may not be ordained, period. End of story. Um, it's not a matter of subordination. Jesus and the Father, the Son and the Father are equally God. The Holy Spirit, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are equally God, but they have different roles. And the Son came to show us the Father. And he says, I and the Father are one. One in substance, they are equal. The Jews understood he meant one in essence, which is why they took up stones to stone him, because he claimed to be God by saying, I and the Father are one. And yet he also says, I came to do the will of the Father, subordination to the Father. They were equal, but they had different roles. Men and women are equal in God's, they have equal dignity, everything in God's sight. God chose a woman to bear God to bear his son, who is the son of God and God the son. He chose a woman, not a man. There's no higher honor than that. And you could say, well, why didn't he have men give birth? Ask God when you get to heaven, if you get to heaven. We don't have all those answers. But we know that God is sovereign and perfect and wise. So when bishops speak like this and they act like this, they've either lost their faith and should resign, or they never had it. You're right. This uh, the gentleman uh, who writes in Robert says these comments come from an article published by Catholic News Agency. I'm so confused as to what exactly is going on here. How are these things even remotely in consideration? Because those who believe them, Robert, and those who are speaking with them of them at the synod have lost their faith. It's not Catholic. It's absolutely not Catholic. Don't be afraid to conclude that. What's going on in the synod and synodality is simply not Catholic, which is why Bishop Strickland is writing all these letters to head off uh, confusion and heresy among the sheep. We have an email from someone who writes it anonymously and says, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm a young woman struggling with pornography. I have long periods of time in which I do not have any interest in it, but after a certain period of time, I fall again. After I fall, I feel disgusted, and I go to confession with the intention to change and be stronger the next time. I feel this kind of desire, but after some time, as I said, I fall again. I feel I have a very hardened heart, because otherwise... How would I dare to offend our Lord, who has suffered so much for me? Well, I'm going to interrupt your email to here to say I don't conclude that you have a hardened heart. I do conclude that you've opened your life to the devil's influence, and he is very powerful with our emotions and our passions. She says, but I do, thus, I have the sensation that nothing I do, no matter how good or pious it is, will be disgusting in the eyes of God, because it is stained. Um, she means everything I do will be disgusting in the eyes of God because it's stained. I also have a great sorrow because our church needs saints and not more sin. Well, your heart, dear one, is right. 
and your suffering is real. And I would not conclude that you do not love God and that your good works are of no merit. Uh, I believe they are. I believe that you are, uh, you've weakened yourself by allowing uh, temptation to enter in. And there's a way out for you. She says, I ardently want to be holy and be able to please him in everything and be a true light at all of this. The devil knows that. I think he's on your case. I would love to be an innocent, beautiful young lady that reflects his glory. But what I have already seen and my desires make me feel that I'm too stained for that. You are not. You are not. Um, He washes away every stain. Read Isaiah. He makes us white as snow. Um, Okay. um, Okay, she said, I do not have access to a counselor. I also do not trust the general state of modern psychology nowadays. I'm in the process of seeking a spiritual director. That's very good. I also think that the devil tempts me because it is not a constant addiction. Um, Even if it were, it, it is the enemy.